What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Chord Chronicles. Wow, what is it? Week three? I know. I can't believe already? that it's already the third week that we're doing this. Wow, it's just flying by. And there's been plenty of good music, too. You know, honestly, it hasn't been nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. And that sounds like a defeatist attitude. But last, you know, the last, when we stopped recording, we had to take our hiatus. We had some not so great albums. I mean, we had some good albums, but for a while there, we had some pretty, some pretty bad ones. You know, like Yoko Ono and, and what, uh, the string band and, and that stuff like that. So we had a wall for a while there. But last week we had some pretty good albums. What, we had Yoko Ono again, and that was a good album, which was a big surprise. <laughs> that was shocking. I had the, well, I had the best album of the week. I don't know if you've, anyone's had a chance to listen to Mandrill Composite Truth yet, but I highly recommend that. That's a fun listen. I've listened to it uh, numerous times already again, you know, so that's just a pleasure one. But uh, I don't want to get into my album this week, but uh, spoiler alert, I had the best album again. So. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. But I think I want to kick the show off, actually, though, not on a down note, but we do need to mention some deaths that have went on this past week because there were some notable people that did pass away, especially one big name in the world of music i mean two really but one really big name and that the first one was on january 10th of this year we lost jeff beck but he did live to the year of the, the ripe old age of 78 so amazing <laughs> amazing guitarist he actually passed away from bacterial meningitis so i was i was sad to hear about that and then I'm sure everyone has probably seen, We uh, was it January 12th of this year, we just lost Lisa Marie Presley. Uh, she was 54 with cardiac arrest. And we're going to leave it at that. Go away, 10 full hatters. So, you know, obviously mixed feelings on Elvis Presley from me. But Lisa Marie Presley, you know, never had a problem with that lady. She, she's never pretended to be anything she's not. I mean, she had what... Uh, the relationship with Michael Jackson. Mm -hmm. And that was interesting. But uh, other than that, that's really all I knew of her. And I heard singer-songwriter, but I never really listened to any of her music. i be honest with you. So, But I did see that. But uh, I was sad to see that happen. Because, I mean, 54 is a really young age. So, you know, that's that was kind of a big shock. And actually, on the exact same day, we also lost Robbie Bachman. He was 69 years old. And he's from Bachman Turner Overdrive, mm -hmm. the uh, drummer. So, and I'm a kind of Canadian, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty big fan of Bachman Turner Overdrive. We haven't listened to a whole lot of their stuff yet. I believe, I believe we had something, we have something coming up later this year that's an, uh, one of their albums, or it might have already passed and we missed it. <laughs> I think we do <laughs> one have around, one of around these, these couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, so there's something coming up. So I, I was really sad to, to see that, and you actually alerted me to that one. I wasn't even aware of that one because that actually didn't come out as much. I guess that he probably got overshadowed by Lisa Marie Presley because that Presley name. So, but I was you know sad to read of that. The cause of his death was un you know, was unreleased, so it's unknown. 
But I mean, he was 69 years old, so it could have been natural causes. Most, most probably it is. And then finally, the other big name. This isn't someone in music, but this is someone, uh, you know, from our childhood. And we lost on January the 13th of this year. We lost Robbie Knievel of pancreatic cancer. And he was 60. So, of course, Robbie Knievel, son of Evil Knievel, world-famous daredevil, stuntman, comedian. I mean, yeah, I mean, there may be some, you know, we're we're just going to be talking about the the performers themselves, not about personal, you know, anything about that. But, you know, Robbie Knievel did live to his 60s, so that's actually pretty good for someone who followed in his father's footsteps and did quite a few, you know, daredevil stunts himself. If I'm not mistaken, he didn't he jump over the Grand Canyon on a motorcycle? Um, I'm pretty sure Evil Knievel did. I'm not sure about Robbie. Yeah. I think Robbie recreated that stunt for that it was world famous that his dad did. And I, I believe he did. And I think he got hurt. Just I think his dad got hurt when he, when he did that as well. Probably. But, uh, yeah, that's crazy. And, you know, daredevils. But, you know, ripe old age of 60, so, I mean, it's sad to see him, him pass away, but at least he did live life to his fullest. Probably more than most of us, honestly. So, but this isn't a podcast about deaths, and um, really this isn't a, a podcast about the entertainment industry. It is, but it's more centered on music. So, for those of you that don't know what we do, we take every album that has come out from this week which is, <laughs> I don't even know right now. I'm going to have to look. Oh, I've got it. The third week of January, it were, it works out. It worked out where it started out on the 1st. Yeah, January 15th through 21st. So, yeah, so this is, well, I could have looked at the uh, calendar right in front of me. It's been a long uh, weekend. <laughs> so, but um, we take those albums that have come out that are celebrating their 50th anniversary because when you look back, the 70s, for me, and for, I mean, a large majority of people, the 70s are the greatest era in music. You know, some people might argue about the 80s, and there are some good songs. But I think the 70s is one of the last great album. You know, I think albums-wise. But that's my personal preference. But anyway, these albums that we're, that we're getting ready to talk about, did come out, you know, are getting ready to celebrate their 50th anniversary. And, <laughs> oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm going to be talking about this artist again. Oh, how many albums have we had from Johnny Cash? Oh God, <laughs> uh, I think this is number four or five, maybe. <laughs> would well, Would you venture a guess on which album, number-wise, that we're getting ready to review? Um, well, I saw it when I was reviewing, so it wouldn't be fair. <laughs> ah, well, well, there you go, everyone. Well, this is Johnny Cash's 44th album. That was amazing to me. I mean, you know, not always quality, so that's the, the reason I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not looking forward to starting the week on this. But, funny about that, <laughs> this year, so far, has been a year of surprises. Like I said before at the start of the podcast, Yoko Ono, amazing. I mean, I would say a pretty amazing album that we had from her. 
full of, you know, feminist, uh, you know, her feminist ideology, which was pretty controversial at the time. She was very outspoken. And not just all the, like, the crazy, artsy, experimental stuff. But anyway, this is Johnny Cash, Any Old Wind That Blows. And, pardon me, listen to me, so uh, unprofessional. Like I said, 44th album. And, like we said, you said, we've already went through about four albums. And we had, what, The Man in Black? Yeah. We did review that album, and I was disappointed with that. I've been severely disappointed with Johnny Cash albums. There are songs here and there that I can pick out that I can listen to, but there hasn't been a Johnny Cash album so far that I could just sit down and put it on, and it was okay to listen to the whole thing. It it didn't drag me down. Most of the, most of his stuff is just too too. I don't know how to put it. Just boring mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of times it just draw he drones on with stuff it's just so like a downer but this album i don't know what the difference was he being you know johnny cash pronouns pal johnny seems to have more pep in his step in this album and he seems to be more poetic than usual from some of these lyrics it's 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 weird it was like a change for me and this is a like he just seems more like he's like he has maybe this is a a a better time in his life i don't know maybe he's not having maybe maybe some of the issues with drugs or he's managing it well or something but i know he and june carter cash are together because there are a couple duets on this album they're excellent as well (laughs) but i'm gonna run through the personnel real fast it's pretty extensive so i'm just going to try to get through it real fast but i always like to give everyone their due because the personnel in this this album all the musicians do a really good job like i was really impressed but you have johnny cash on vocals and guitar bob wooten and carl perkins (laughs) know that name Mm -hmm. on electric guitar marshall grant on bass guitar ws holland on drums Red Lane, Larry Gatlin, Norman Blake, and Ray Eddington on guitar. There are a lot of artists on this album. Bobby Thompson on guitar and banjo. Charles Cochran on, and George Ritchie on piano. Larry Butler on keyboards. Charlie McCoy on harmonica. Kenny Malone on percussion. And I think I know which percussion they're talking about. I'll bring that up in a, a few minutes. And you have the Carter family and the Statler brothers doing background vocals for this, which that was actually a, a pleasant surprise to see the Statler brothers. So, I mean, I like the Statler brothers. Elvira. I'm, I'm not, not uh, yeah, exactly. And I'm not the biggest country fan, but this album, I mean, like I said, <laughs> I went into it honestly with a negative mindset, thinking, oh, not another Johnny Cash. This is, there's too many, but. I'm going to run through. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this, but really, I only thought there was one bad song. And it's the last song on the album, Welcome Back Jesus. It's not my thing. I don't like when Johnny Cash tries to bring religion into anything. I, I know I know there's another song or two that he does speak about God, but it's not just overly preachy. And I feel like a lot of times Johnny Cash will try to preach to you and, he, and he'll go... <laughs> when he's not in front of the camera maybe he won't be living 
practicing what he's preaching exactly. So he's so a little hypocritical. It comes off extremely hypocritical and cringeworthy. Extremely cringeworthy. And I mean, I guess the, that's that's not an attack on Christianity. I'm not a Christian. I'm I'm just, but I'm not as opposed to Christian beliefs as long as they don't oppress others. And this song's not about that. I mean, it, like the teachings of Jesus, honestly, are, are are fine. I'm not trying to attack that. I don't want anyone to come at the podcast thinking that. But I just don't feel like that's something that Johnny Cash is the the. <laughs> The biggest expert to be singing about. But anyway, now that I got the bad songs out of the way, I'm going to run through them real quick. These good songs and the, the things that I liked about them. All right, the title track, Any Old Wind That Blows. I thought the lyrics and the, the writing was actually pretty nice in that. There's some, some nice metaphors. Like she's a butterfly in July and, you know, waiting to be free. And it's just it's just it just flows really well. It's more poetry than what I'm used to. From Cash, and I know he has some imagery in his lyrics, and he does like to tell stories, but I don't know. I like the way that one that one you know flowed along. It was nice. It has the nice '70s country sound, but it doesn't sound like typical Cash. I don't know if that makes sense. It sounds like he's another going like singing someone else's song, but this is his song. So that one surprised me out the gate. Then you go into Kentucky Straight. It is more of a typical cash song. And it has your... You know, like that's the only way I can describe it. It's that typical, you know, country sound. But I just like the way in that song that he's describing how you can be happy living a simple way of life. And, you know, you don't have to have a fancy life. And, you know, so, I mean, it may not be everyone's thing, but... He found happiness with someone, and they're living a simple life. They're waking up with the chickens and, you know, cooking dinner and just living their life. And it's just simple, but it works for them. So I like that perspective. So whether or not Cash is doing that, or whether or not he came up with that, I thought it was okay, though. And then the next song, The Loving Gift. This one, um, this is a, one of the duets between June Carter, Cash, and Johnny. And I just like how they interplay between one another i do like june carter cash's vocals in this i think they're pretty strong this this was probably played on the grand old opry or something like that i could see that so uh this would have been pretty good in concert i feel like and then i'm gonna go into best friend i really like this song and which is funny because like i was talking about things being preachy this one's about god being your best friend but it, it is one of the best on the album, in my opinion. But my favorite would be, I think the biggest hit on the album too. That's Oni. <laughs> it is. Um, it's like an outlaw country song. I don't want to spoil too much because I want everyone to listen to it. But it's about someone that's retiring, and maybe they're going to get someone's going to get their comeuppance. So I'm going to leave it at that. But I, I liked it. It was funny. It was good. I like the, the story. I like when Cash paints, like, tells a story, and it's just not too dreary. This one's fun. I mean, he's even having fun with it. He laughs two or three times. So that one was really good. Then I talked about a while ago the, the different percussion, and that would be the ballad of Annie Palmer. And I couldn't figure out what it was at first. It's some kind of wood percussion. I don't know what it is. I mean, you may 
maybe if later on you can listen to it and tell me what you think it is. But in the ba- underneath everything, there is something wooden that they're using that for percussion. I thought it was a synthesizer at first. It just sounds so different. I was like, that's pretty cool. I mean, they're trying to evoke the, you know, the uh, what Caribbean spirit. So it's it's something from that from that music line, you know, from those instruments. I don't know what it was, and it didn't. It just says percussion on here. So, but I thought that was interesting. Now, I mean, the story, the ballad of Annie Palmer. It's just it's like a one of those country songs where they're telling you like a story. But I do like Cash's humor in it because he mentions you know she had three husbands, one at a time, I guess. <laughs> so I just like the little things he puts in. This, this, like I said before, this is a fun album. I like Too Little Too Late. It's old style country. I, but I, this one, I almost could hear Hank Sr. singing this song. Parts of it, you know. Um, if I Had a Hammer is originally, what, uh, Peter, Paul, and Mary? Yeah. If I'm not, yeah, they they sung it first. But this one's a uh, another duet with June. And I thought it was good as well. I thought they did it justice. I went back and listened to Peter, Paul, and Mary's version just to compare the two. But, you know, I liked I liked, uh, I liked the one on this album. Uh, Country Trash. <laughs> I like uh, the another song about the perception about how he's simple, but he's happy being simple, you know. And that's okay. <laughs> you don't have to have a complicated life to be simple, you know, to have, a, to have happiness in your life. A lot of times it's best... To simplify everything, to get all the noise out, but that's the that's really the last of the songs. I think I th- I mean I went through all the songs and I usually don't, but this one I don't know. I went back and listened to it a few times and I really liked it. As far as Cash goes, this might be, I mean this might be my favorite. I might look for this on vinyl because it's pretty cheap. If anyone out there is like a vinyl person, you can get this for about two or three dollars. Because so, you know, if you're looking for a good vinyl, this one probably sounds pretty good on vinyl, especially those songs that are the old style country. And Oni, I think, would sound really good on vinyl. But other than that, this that's I'm not gonna give my score yet. But yeah, this is the best I'm gonna say it, this is the best Johnny Cash album that I've listened to so far. This one I would pick over Man in Black. It's just I like this song, Man in Black, and there's maybe another song on that album. But this one, this album, I could probably put on and listen to again, which is rare for me. Glenn Campbell territory here, but not quite not quite the master. I'm not going to say like that, but it was good. But, you know, what did you think about it? I'm getting ready for you to be negative. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be that negative. I don't have a gonna lowball me. <laughs> I don't have a whole lot to add, and some of what I have to say is going to basically echo what you've already said. I agree. This was better than some of his other stuff, especially the other stuff that we have listened to. You know, see, before we started doing this podcast back in 2020, I thought that I really liked Johnny Cash. I mean. I've always been a fan of country. He's he's the man in black. So I thought that I was a big fan. And I was excited about albums like Man in Black that we had to review before now. And like you said, I was a little disappointed. You know, the hits that everybody knows, it seemed like that was all he really had. 
his albums were at best boring, sometimes even annoying. This one was not annoying. It, I'm not going to say that it's a great album, but it was vastly superior to all of the other ones that we have reviewed so far. There were some chart hits. You, know, you went through all the songs. I don't remember if you mentioned which ones were singles, but the title track, um, If I Had a Hammer, Oni, and The Loving Gift were all chart hits. I didn't care that much for Oni. It was okay. I can see why you enjoyed it. But it's kind of along the same lines of A Boy Named Sue. Which is a Johnny Cash song that I like, but I do like A Boy Named Sue a little better. It's not that Oni was bad. I just didn't love it. Um, hey, Oni. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not my favorite, but I can see why it was popular. I get that. You know, I'm not hating on it. I think for me... The title track was the best one off the album. And I think a lot of that is because, in this album in general, he was doing more actual singing. You know, Johnny Cash has a tendency to do a lot of spoken word set to music. That's just his style. But he did sing a little more on this album. And that was good. You know, I think I would say that the title track was a little more lyrical. So, I did like that. Now, that said, you know, it did still just kind of sound like any other 70s country song. You know, it, that's okay. I like 70s country music. <laughs> At least I thought I did before I started this podcast. But no, it has that standard country sound. So... I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but that's kind of what I got out of this album. It sounded more like what I expected from Johnny Cash before we got started and got so disappointed. I don't really have anything else to add except for my score, and I'm going to let you go first, because I'm really curious to see what you're going to rate it, especially after evoking Glenn Campbell and Hank Sr., well, like I said, it's not that, but I can hear Hank Sr. singing a song of those, and and it was a surprise, like Glenn Campbell was a surprise to me, because originally when I thought Glenn Campbell, you know, back when we started this, would just be some corny sitting around the, the campfire, kumbaya crap. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the, really the way I was about it, you know, I was a jerk about it, but it's just my perception, that's what I've always heard, I've never heard a lot of Glenn Campbell's good stuff. So once we started, they're like this album. I've only heard Johnny Cash's so far the the disappointing just filler. He's got forty you know forty four albums. <laughs> so you know there's not been there's been some hits here and there, but there's been a lot of dreck. So this one I I I try not to like let that low bar that I've already had set from Cash excite me too much and me start throwing out like four stars or something like that it's not it's not four stars i wanted to i almost did make this four star album because there are like you said there were four 
you know, singles from this that did chart. And it is, it's that good. I, I can see that this being a good album at the time, and I can see it being a good vinyl now. Like I said before, I'll buy this. But didn't quite make the, the four for me. If I could give it three and three quarter, I could, I would. But for me, it was three and a half. So, but from Johnny Cash, three and a half for me is like a five star. <laughs> if, I'm being, if I'm being honest with you. Because of the, the, the disappointment that I've had so far with it. But... Yeah, this one, I, I have actually recommended this to people so far. I'm like, hey, check out a few songs. You're probably going to like it. Yeah, so, but yeah, what what did you give it? We're not too far off. Um, I didn't like it quite as much as you, and I think that might be because, you know, I you know, have been a bigger fan of country than you, so I don't know, maybe I'm a little more critical of it. But I certainly didn't dislike it either. I did give it three because a lot of it does still sound like just standard country music. Not really all that special. Maybe it feels like a little bit of filler to me. But, you know, it's not bad. I don't want to give that impression whatsoever. I enjoyed the title track. And, you know, three stars is not a bad score. So, you know, or three and a quarter is what it's going to end up being. So, and like you said. Yeah, I should have given it four. I should have given it four. (laughs) No, but like you said, (laughs) this is vastly, it's a a huge improvement over what we have already listened to from Johnny Cash. So I was really happy about that because I was really starting to worry. (laughs) Well, I'm going to tell you now, I'm I'm pretty sure we just hit the peak. Other than a Greatest Hits Johnny Cash album, this probably is going to be the best album listening-wise through (laughs) that we've we've ever had and that we're ever going to have from Johnny Cash. So we'll see. I don't know. I don't know about the album, but the song Hurt is the best thing he ever put out. And that was at the end of his life. (laughs) Yeah, but not his song. (laughs) I know, but it was on an album somewhere, I think. So it's already, it was already Trent Reznor's amazing song. But uh, anyway, we're not here to talk about Trent Reznor. We're here to talk about an album. Actually, I'm here to talk about an album because I'm going to go ahead and talk about this, uh, my solo album that I had this week. You know, once again, we've had, uh, this is the third week in a row that I've, I think I've had a band like you know that I I had no knowledge of going into it because this week I had Sparks and uh, the album is a Woofer in Tweeter's clothing. Love that album title. Love this band. Love the creativity from this band. But I'm getting you know too far ahead of myself. Like I said last week, I had Mandrel Composite Truth, and that's I had no knowledge of them either. That that was a pleasant surprise. Well, this week was the same exact thing. I hope I hope it's like this over and over again so i probably just jinxed myself for next week but (laughs) i you know i i don't remember what my solo album was the very first week we started we listened to so much music guys you had the straws yeah so that was a band that i was already familiar with but that was a pleasant surprise as well because that was their best in my opinion so far the best straw albums that i've ever listened to because most of the stuff was once again not exactly my favorite but 
this band though, Sparks, I went into this looking at it, never listened to any of this stuff before. Well, this is honestly, this is their second album. We missed the first one because the first album came out in 72. So, <laughs> and that was um, Sparks. I think it's just called Sparks. It's uh, No, they, they retitled it Half Nelson. Half Nelson is the original name of this band. And I'm going to run through the personnel. Like, not too big of a yeah not too big of a personnel list compared to the Johnny Cash album you actually have a pair of brothers Russell and Ron Mayel or Mayel it's M A E M A E L so i don't know i don't know i i you know i haven't i haven't seen anyone actually pronounce it in interviews or anything so i'm not sure about that one but you have Russell Mayel on vocals and Ron does keyboards, and they're the central part of this band. And like they have main, you know, been the central part of this band all the way up until 2021. They're still active, but they have had like Johnny Cash level number of albums. But this band is just kicking off. Um, you know, th- but Ron and Russell are the, you know, the fact, you know, the two brothers that are really the brainchild behind this album. But you also have Earl Mankey on guitar and Jim Mankey on bass. So another pair of brothers that actually help them with your you know your your string instruments. And then Harley Feinstein on drums. Well, I didn't listen to all of the first the half Nelson. I did go back and listen to a little bit of it because of all the people talking online about this album, comparing it to their first album. Um, I'm surprised. This band had very little success. Very little success in the U.S. This is glam rock. I don't think I mentioned it's glam rock, pop rock. And the first time I listened to this album, I I liked it. But it, it didn't hit, you know, with me exactly. But after repeated and i mean repeated listenings because this thing just kicks it just sticks in you you know how a lot of glam rock um let's see here let's say mark bolin will use the falsetto and it's just kind of i don't want to say odd but <laughs> but it's not your typical when someone starts singing you know for them to break into falsetto or whatever it just sounds different and I would say weird, but weird in a good way, because weird to me is weird to me is good, especially when I'm trying to listen to music, because we've heard so many different songs. It's just they blend together. So when things stand out, I really appreciate it. And when someone uses just something a little different from the pack, I I actually appreciate it. The, there was one single from this album that's the "Girl from Germany," and the B side was called "Beaver Lindy." um that one's about a guy's first sexual experience with a prostitute so they have some risque not they never it's always tongue-in-cheek they never outright say anything dirty but it's it's just implied wackiness and just fun um i thought it was interesting we listened to we just talked about johnny cash and he had kentucky straight well the big hit that everyone likes on this album, and I understand why, is their cover of Moon Over Kentucky. 
It's excellent. Oh, it's so, it's just different. I don't even know how to describe the song to you. It's just really good. I, I invite, that's the one, if anyone's going to listen to one song on this album, that one. Now, this band in concert, uh, from what I can tell, put on a really, like an amazing show. They they didn't hit in America, but they actually went overseas and went to Britain. And their career just kicks off. Like, they were immensely popular over in the UK. But they're still going to have U.S. releases, you know, so we're going to be re- reviewing some of them. But this album is excellent, and I just keep gushing over it. It's fun. Um, Moon Over Kentucky, you know, amazing. I, I guess I will go through just real, real, real quickly. Uh, like I said, the it, uh, Girl from Germany kicks off the album. Uh, just fun. It's talking about... A boy is trying to introduce his German girlfriend, and he's he's a he's a um, a British guy. He's trying to introduce his German girlfriend to his British parents right after World War II, and how awkward that is, you know. So that kind of situation, and it's kind of wacky or whatever. It's just good. It's a really good song. It's that I've never heard anyone try to talk about something from that perspective before. Because it is just something to think about how awkward that would be. You know, hey, uh, you know, I know the Germans, eh, there was this little situation and we just got done with war, but she's nice. <laughs> <laughs> so that one was funny. Uh, Beaver O'Lindy, uh, fun track. I bet that one's fun in concert as well. But they just, uh, they spell it out B-E-A-V-E-R-O-L-I-N-D-Y. And he does this, you know, falsetto and stuff. It's It's fun. But, um, like I said, that one's a little risque. Uh, Nothing is Sacred. That's, if you don't like that falsetto, you're not going to like that one. That is a weird song. I love it. <laughs> I love it. The weirder, the better. <laughs> um, the only track that I don't really like is called Here Comes Bob. And that one's just like a typical British Baroque pop time thing. It's like, Here Comes Bob. And it's just it's it doesn't fit with the rest of these the rest of the songs. Maybe that more than anything it doesn't it stands out, you know, it, it just stands out in a bad way. Then I already talked about Moon Over Kentucky. Amazing. Pro- probably the best song on the album. It it sounds a little bit like doom metal meshed in with glam. Because it has a oppressive like the the, the instruments are really oppressive, but then he'll go into his singing voice with the falsetto and stuff and it's kind of just pretty and everything it's just cool i like how they did that and the next track was hilarious to me because it's do re mi i think you uh know what that's from (laughs) the sound of music yep Yep, they have a cover of the do re mi from the sound of music it's it's uh you know it is what it is it's fun it's something they did in concert so they put it on here and it, it is fun um angus desire excellent track i mean they're all good they have a song in french i don't know i don't know if it's good or not because it's in french so i didn't go through and translate it it's the louvre talking about the museum i don't know what what i didn't translate it so if there is a song that's weak it would be it and here comes bob because uh whippings and apologies the the track that ends the uh the album or whatever that one for a while became big with the S&M community <laughs> so they started being followed around by uh all that that type of those type of gentlemen i don't think i mentioned before the first album was engineered by Todd Rundgren 
So Half Nelson was engineered by Todd Rundgren. This one wasn't. This was, um, I don't have it right in front of me. Uh, Thaddeus James Lowe. So it was Todd Rundgren's engineer. But Todd Rundgren was involved with the first album, Half Nelson. And he's not involved with this album. But I don't know. I didn't really notice a drop-off. This album was excellent. Best album of the week, just like last week. And you're going to be surprised about this one. This is a four and a half star. I, I Four stars is what I was going to give it. But the fact that there's so many... I don't know. They, they took so many chances. And it works. It just works. This one would get in your ear like an earworm. It'll just be there. Like a lot of these songs, you'll just be singing them. And you'll want to go back and listen to this album. This one I want on vinyl just because I want it. And because it's not popular, I don't know how rare it's going to be. That one I'm, I'm a little bit worried about. I maybe have to get another pressing of it or something. I don't care. But I do want to hear this one on vinyl to hear how it sounds. But yeah, A Wolfer in Tweeter's Clothing, Sparks, the only other four and a half star that we've had, for, in my opinion, this year. The other one being Aerosmith, Aerosmith. Different kind of album. Still. Still. This one is fun. So Yeah. I don't know if you have you listened to any of these. Did you listen to any of them? I yet? haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but I think I told you last week that I am excited and intrigued by it just because of that album title. So I'm looking forward to listening to it. Now, whether I'm going to agree that it's the best album of the week, we'll see. But I'm sure it is good. So I'm going to listen to it. Yeah, that one. Highly recommend everyone check that one out. And if you see it. Anywhere, pick it up, send it to me. I would love it. <laughs> but now, oh my gosh. Speaking of, once again, albums that we were going to dread. Because I didn't listen to these in the order that we just talking about them. I actually listened to my Sparks album last. I saved it for last because I, I, would, I wanted to get all the albums that we were both reviewing. I wanted to listen to those first. Before I started making my own notes. So, this album that we're getting ready to talk about, though, was the one that I was dreading the most. Like I said, Johnny Cash has really disappointed me a lot of times. But he's had some songs that I was, you know, that I do like. That we have listened to, like Man in Black. I keep going back to that one just because it's the big one. But, you know, he's had hits that we really like. But Bee Gees have not had a single song so far I don't think that really I can't I can't even remember any that stand out so far I've already compared them to the I've called them the Weekles because a lot of their stuff is poppy British pop it's just <sighs> pretentious I don't know I don't I, I I'm trying not to be too hard on these guys you know the, the Gibb brothers <laughs> I like I really do like the Bee Gees, but I guess I only like the Bee Gees. Disco Bee Gees. Disco's the best thing that ever happened to these guys, and I'm surprised that they've made so many albums because, oh my God, this this album, it is a concept album. I'm going to go ahead and say that. When, my, when I started listening to these songs first without reading about it, I think you actually need that kind of knowledge. It, this probably could have been a, like a, a soundtrack. It might have been something that they were trying to conceive to get, like, to attach to something. But I'm going to run through the Bee Gees. It's Barry Gibb, uh, lead, harmony, backing, vocals, and rhythm guitar. I didn't know he played guitar, though. I, did, I wasn't sure about that. 
Robin Gibb, lead, harmony and backing vocals. Maurice Gibb, harmony and backing vocals, bass guitar, except for a couple of the songs. He plays rhythm guitar, piano, and then various keyboards. Uh, you do have some guest musicians on this one. Alan Kendall, lead guitar. Sneaky Pete Nello. Nell now? That one I don't know. On yeah, He plays lap steel guitar. Uh, Tommy Morgan on harmonica. Jerome Richardson on flute. Rick Gresh on violin and bass guitar. Jane Getz on piano. Jim Keltner on drums. And Johnny Pate on orchestral. He did the orchestral arrangement. Looking at my notes. So so uh, prepared but unprepared. Over-prepared, guys, sometimes. But um, we reviewed... We missed 72. We missed <laughs> To Whom It May Concern. I don't know that there were any big hits on it. I haven't looked yet, but we did miss that album. I can't compare this Life in a Tin Can. I don't even know if I've even brought it out yet. I don't, I don't even know if I've mentioned I'm so unprofessional today, guys. It's been a long day. I don't think I said uh, when Johnny Cash released his album, but uh, this album, Life in a Tin Can, came out January the 19th of 1973. So, in the United States. It released later in the United Kingdom. But, uh, I'm not going to get too deep in the weeds on the concept of this, but it's just, from what I can tell, like, I think he's in L.A. with a woman or someone. It could be a man. I don't know. But someone he's with and something happens and they leave. So then he's trying to make his way back across the country to be with them. Something happens and they're separated. Because he uh, they go into South Dakota morning and then living in Chicago. And, and they, they that's I think that's the basic concept behind this album from what I can tell. But it's not uh, not very well executed <laughs> this uh like i said before there's a very low bar for me when we're talking about bgs so far so this wasn't wasn't a big surprise going into it i did go into this negative once again i'm trying not to but because johnny cash surprised me but i, I was trying to go to be a little more upbeat and then i started listening to it uh, saw a new morning like I will say the okay, Saw a New Morning, one of the songs. I like that song. It's pretty good. It's a catchy, maybe a soft rock leaning type pop ballad type song or something like that. It, it's it's pretty good. I do like Saw a New Morning. And then the song While I Play. That one a little bit it it made me think of Neil Diamond at times. But then there, but there is also a synthesizer. So if you have a, a little bit of Neil Diamond and then you throw some synthesizer in, that's while I play. I like that one. That one's actually pretty good. Bad songs, nothing really egregious. You know, there's nothing egregious on this. But this whole album, like anything but BGS, and I'm not wasting any more time on it, lacks energy. It just doesn't have enough oomph for me. I like it better when they get a little crazy and do some disco, staying alive. Maybe that's just asking too much. Maybe they've got to work up to it, but they've been building for a while now, <laughs> and they haven't. We haven't gotten anything. There's nothing that's just been outstanding to me. I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you it's two and a half stars for me. I don't want to waste any more time on it. I'm gonna let you t say what you want about it. Uh, BG's life in a tin can. Man, kick that can down the road or. 
put it in the recycle bin. We need something better. But uh, go ahead. What did you? What did you? What did you think about it? Maybe you'll be a little more positive than I was. <laughs> well, of course I'm going to be a little more positive. That's just who I am. <laughs> if you've been listening to this show for a little bit, you know that's not necessarily true. He calls me harsh. You know, first of all, I'm fighting off an attack of the sneezes, so sorry guys. I'm being a little sniffly here. I'm trying not to trying not to sneeze in your ears. As far as my review, I will be quick again. I almost said I'll be short, but I'm always short. Haha, <laughs> beat you to it. Ha <laughs> No. I have nothing bad to say about the album. Not one thing bad to say about life in a tin can. But I don't really have anything particularly good to say either. <laughs> For me, it was a true middle-of-the-road mediocre album. It's not bad. You know, nothing about this was bad. It's just that nothing stood out, like, at all to me. Nothing stood out as particularly bad. Nothing stood out as particularly good. It was just... It was kind of boring. Um, this was the fourth album, I think, that we have reviewed. And like you said, we did miss one in 1972. So it's the fifth album that they have had since we started doing this show. We had Cucumber Castle and Two Years On and Trafalgar. Those were 70 and 71. And then we we skipped the one in 72. And now we've got Life in a Tin Can. We we dodged it, Matrix style. <laughs> I don't know. And then this one just, this one, this one boomeranged right around this tin can. Somebody threw a tin can at me. I don't know. Maybe right that was the one and we missed it. You know, I don't know, but my husband Luke is going to listen to it, so he'll let us know. That said, he likes the Bee Gees a little more than we do, so I don't know if we can really trust his rating. Eh. He liked some of their previous ones more than us. I don't, I don't remember what he said about this one but i have nothing else to say about it you know i listened to the whole album just trying to think of things to include in my review but there just really isn't anything to point out that isn't just a straight fact like the day that it came out or the number you know of albums that they've had so for me i did give it three three stars because it's so so but there was nothing bad, so for me, it still lands on the positive side of True Middle, and that is three stars. Yeah, I thought about giving it three stars just because I felt like I was being harsh, but it's just not. It's just no, there's no energy into it, and it, it's just boring for me, <laughs> and I hate being that way. It's just, just is what it is, but now the next album is your solo album. I did actually go and try to find some of it because it's almost impossible unless you just want to buy it i don't know why this album's so hard to find but yeah i listened to some of it but i don't want to spoil it but uh i'm gonna step aside and for once maybe not but you know i may shut up for a minute but uh i'm gonna see what you what you have to uh tell me about this album <laughs> yeah don't make me pull up my library inside out and shush you that's not what we do anymore no my album and i'll just go ahead and let you all know for me 
this was the best album of the week. It's Pot Liquor. <laughs> Funny band name. Pot Liquor, Louisiana Rock and Roll. Um, I don't think... No, we don't have an exact date that this came out. We know it was sometime in January of 1973. So, you know, it's one of those, we don't have the exact day, but we're in the right time period. It was around 50 years ago. And like you said, it it was impossible to find as a full album, which was a bummer. I had to just create my own playlist, had to search the individual songs on YouTube, and I couldn't find all of them. I only found about 60% of the album, actually, and you know, couldn't find uh, the song H. I couldn't find St. Jude's Blues, Guitar Boogie, at least Potlicker's version of it, and I couldn't find the song For You. They were just nowhere to be found. You know, I searched, my husband searched, they were nowhere. And the song Rip It Up, I was only able to find that as a live version from 2005. That was from Potlicker's um, induction into the Louisiana Music Hall of Fame. But that video was uploaded by one of the guy's wives, and one of the band members actually commented on the YouTube video, so that's something, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> you know, they are active on YouTube. I don't know why they don't just upload this whole song. They should. Let me just say that. They really, really should. They should upload all of their stuff. I'm going to go through a little bit about Potlicker. Um, if I can find actual album. Oh no, I'm not prepared. Well, uh, <laughs> what is, where does the pot liquor part come from? I mean, it sounds like pot and liquor, but I don't <laughs> think it's that. No. Um, pot liquor is a Southern term. It, it, they are a Southern band and it's a Southern rock band. Pot liquor is the, the liquid or the broth that's left in a pot after cooking normally greens, but sometimes other types of beans or meat or vegetables or something. But it's the broth, and some people like to drink that. They call it the pot liquor. They say it has all the nutrients from what they cooked, and it's really healthy. So yeah, they they enjoy it. <laughs> so like my, uh, like my African friend from work would be like, Power. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am not a fan of drinking pot liquor. It's a little too strong usually, but you know it is a thing. You know these guys are from Louisiana. It is very much a thing in the Deep South, especially. I do know people around here in Kentucky that would also do it. You know, but it's especially you know from like collard greens, which I've never been a fan of. They're a little too harsh and bitter for me. <laughs> so that might be why I don't like it. But that's what the name comes from, the pot liquor. Now, the band, at least at this time, the personnel on this album was Jerry Amoroso. He did drums and percussion, and they all do vocals. Then you've got George Ratzlaff on keyboards, and I think it was his I think it was his wife who uploaded the video that I mentioned. Guy Schaefer on bass guitar. He's the one who commented on that video. And then you've got 
Leon Medica, also on bass guitar, and Les Wallace on guitar. There are some other people, additional musicians that aren't in the band. Um, they're mostly on the songs that I didn't get to hear, but I'll mention them anyway. The song Rip It Up, the album version has some horns, and For You has some strings. Cy Frost did the arranging on those. He also did piano on For You, clavinet, and the Moog synthesizer on H, which I didn't get to hear. <laughs> I was very frustrated that I didn't get to hear all this album. Um, Glenn Spreen also did some horn string arrangements. Uncle Buckwood played fiddle on You Can't Get There From Here. And then there are several horn players. Lee Fortier, Art DeCesar, Bud Brasher, Pete Verbois, Bill Ludwig, Nick Rouse, Charlie Depew, um, Gail and David Amoroso, hand claps on Waiting For Me. I know how you love the hand claps as an instrument. <laughs> and probably the biggest frustration for me that I didn't get to hear the song For You yet like I said, that one had strings on it. It was the New Orleans Symphony and the Baton Rouge Symphony combined. You know, it, it was a symphonic rock arrangement. Possibly the first time that that has been done. You know, it's a thing now. You know, obviously, you know, Metallica famously played with the symphony and they recorded an album. Several other people have done it. I love that stuff. So, I really want to hear what Potlicker did on that song with the New Orleans and Baton Rouge Symphony. But, anyway, that's enough background. You know, I couldn't find all of the songs, but I decided to do the review anyway, even though it was only a little over half of the album. I did think about just skipping this because of that and finding a different album to review, but... This access, or the lack of access, is a problem that we face sometimes in doing this show. And you know, it's not fair. <laughs> it's not fair! So I decided to go ahead and address that and at least review the songs I could, because I think the band deserves that. I think just about any band deserves that. And these guys are really good. So... You know, they deserve every bit of attention they get, I think. So, I wanted to go ahead and review this. I didn't know anything about Potlicker going into this other than the album title. I was assuming that they were going to be a Louisiana band, just from the fact that it's Louisiana rock and roll. And I was right. As I said, they are from Louisiana. They're from Baton Rouge. They weren't huge. They released four normal studio albums. They only had one hit single, but they were regionally popular. And they actually toured nationally with some pretty big names. You know, it's kind of strange, actually. They never headlined a tour of their own, but they did headline some individual shows with some really big acts actually opening up for them. Like Aerosmith opened for Potlicker. Billy Joel opened for Potlicker, ZZ Top, 
you know, Potlicker was the headliner. That's really weird to me for a band that never really got that much traction. But I think they deserved it. You know, in 1973 specifically, at the time of this album, they performed with several you know, well-known performers. Acts, that's the word I'm trying to think of. They performed with the Eagles, Black Oak Arkansas, Steely Dan, Wishbone Ash, the Charlie Daniels Band, you know, and the ones that I've mentioned. They've performed with big people. I know it feels like I'm just going on and on about this, but it it was just a little shocking to me. It seems like they should have been more than they were. I know they struggled a lot. Their manager died in 1973 after this album, and things kind of unraveled from there. But still, it was just really frustrating for me. I was looking forward to this album. If you've been listening for a little bit to me talk you know, on previous shows, I love New Orleans, and I love the sound of that you know, Dixieland type stuff, and Southern Rock. So I was looking forward to this album, and I was not disappointed in what I got to listen to. It wasn't great quality because, you know, it was just not a great format and it was inconsistent because I had to find them all individually, uploaded by various people, but I think I would really like this album. I don't know that it would have been a five-star album, even if I had found all of it. I'll just go ahead and tell you that. It's not a five-star album, but, you know, I will say, without giving anything away just yet, I think that if I had been able to listen to the whole thing, it would have been at four at stars at least. You know, just a guess. I only listened to six of the ten tracks, but you know, I don't know what the other four tracks sound like. They could be horrible, but just based on what I heard, I think this would be a good album. The songs I did get to listen to were just toe-tappingly catchy. That's what I'm going to say. It's Southern Rock. Really good guitar, as you would probably expect from Southern Rock like this. It's what I expect from this style of music. The The one that I listened to live, um, Rip It Up, that's a cover of a song by Little Richard. His version, obviously great. It's Little Richard. But they did a really good job on it. I was sitting on the couch listening, dancing in my seat, really enjoying their performance of it. The title track, uh, Louisiana Rock and Roll, was pretty bluesy. And, yeah, good stuff. One of the others that I was able to listen to was a cover of Born Under a Bad Sign. That's a good song. They didn't do quite as good on that one, I didn't think. It was good, but it wasn't great. It was probably my least favorite of the six songs I did listen to, but it was still pretty good. It, all of the songs that I listened to were good. As I mentioned, I think I was most bummed that I couldn't find the last track for you because of it featuring the symphony. You know, I love the juxtaposition of rock music with traditional strings. It kind of hurts me to know that it's out there and I didn't get to hear it. It was tough to rate the album because I only got to hear six of the ten songs. Um, but I did enjoy those six, and I intend 
to look up the band's other albums and see what they're like. And I will actually tell you, after I listen to this, being so frustrated that I couldn't hear the whole thing and that I enjoyed what I did hear, I went online and found a copy of this album. I actually bought it. I haven't received it yet. It's supposed to be here this week. I'm really excited to get it and listen to the rest of it. I'll update you next week and let you know if it's as good as I think it is, but I gave this album four stars. I was tempted to give it four and a half. I really liked it. I just, I couldn't quite give it four and a half without being able to hear the whole thing. That didn't feel right. But it's not the band's fault, I don't think, that I couldn't hear all of it. So I didn't want to lower my score because of that. It's just, you know, it'll take a little more work than some of the other albums for you to find it. But I do recommend it. You should try. Just put the band's name into YouTube. You'll find some of their earlier stuff, too. I thought that this album, Louisiana Rock and Roll, was pretty enjoyable. So, yeah. Four stars for me, and I'm really excited to listen to the rest of it when that album gets here. Hopefully Tuesday. <sighs> I hope. But I'll let you know how the rest of it is. Yep, you'll have to let me know. And uh, you heard it here, everyone. Four stars, so that's why Sparks was a better album, because it was four and a half stars. But so, uh... Potlicker's score might go <laughs> up after I get that album. So, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what I listened to was excellent as well. And the live recording was, was good. I mean, at an advanced age, even, looked like those guys can still rock. So, yeah, I would go see them. And it's funny you mentioned Wishbone Ash earlier because they are actually coming to this area. Well, it's going to be Fort Wayne, Indiana, which is not that far. And they're going to be here, I think, in May. I'll have to go back and look. I'm I'm thinking about going to try to catch that. Uh, we've listened to a couple I may have I may have had one that was a uh, chord chron or uh, you know was it off the record or whatever, but um, I can't remember. But I know we've 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 reviewed a little bit of Wishbone Ash and it's pretty good. But uh, um, I thought that was pretty interesting. So many bands that they because I went and read about it as well. So many bands that they were just around and it's just it, it's because of band infighting. I think is why they didn't make it bigger. And when that when that uh, tour manager passed away. He couldn't hold them. There was no one to hold them together anymore, so they just disintegrated. Yeah, that was kind of sad. But it uh, is. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm uh, anxious to hear what your thoughts are once you do actually listen to the whole album. So to be continued on. They that. had so much potential. Yeah. Well, uh, okay. Well, you know what? We have one more album this week that we both had, and it's the last album of the week. And speaking of so like lots of potential, you know, this is a band. Well, I guess band, a couple artists, a duo that we're already familiar with. I mean, vocal, vocally, you know, amazing. This album, the same, vocally, amazing. Uh, I'm tr- I'm trying to go ahead and get everything out of the way before I even tell you about this album. I don't, we don't have an exact release day. It's just everything I can find is January of 1973. The title track actually was released as a single back in 72 from what i'm seeing so that was that's interesting because most of the albums that we review don't have a single being released that far ahead because it was like uh 
No, I don't know. I want to say it was like May, like pretty far back, like September. Yeah, September of 1972. So it's pretty, pretty far, you know, d- you know, distance in between releasing that single. I don't know if it hit the the airwaves, you know, immediately, but I was surprised because usually, um, like the the singles will come off when the album comes out. I mean, not not true more so nowadays, but I don't see that happen a whole lot from what we're reviewing. But there was one other single that, like the. Uh, I guess I'll go ahead and tell you who this is. <laughs> I've skirted around the situation. This album's disappointing to me is why I'm like a little bit sad about it. Look, <laughs> uh, Like I said, vocally it's fine, but we'll get into everything. This is Ike and Tina Turner, and the album is Let Me Touch Your Mind. Well, like I said, the single, uh, the singles, one of them was the title track, Let Me Touch Your Mind. That was the single that was released September 72. Um... And then there's one more, Early One Morning. And that one actually did come out in January of 73. Alongside, if I'm not mistaken from what I read, alongside with the, uh, it coincided with the actual album coming out. So, but I still didn't see a day on anything. But there, I don't have much to say about it. You know, usually I have everything about it to say about everything. I am a big fan of Tina Turner. I love her vocals. I think she's she's right up there. I mean, I, I like Aretha Franklin better, personally, from me. But uh, she's up there with the greats like that. Yeah, though. she's right there with them. I mean, her her voice is so powerful. A lot. Of, uh, she she's incredible. Is a little wild. <laughs> she's a little wild. <laughs> a little. She's a little bit. A little bit of a crazy life, and she's not afraid to tell you about it. But. Also, there's some things behind the scenes that are going on with Ike and her that we don't know about. We, no one's probably ever going to know the extent of, of the abuse that Tina Turner experienced. I, mean, I don't want to bring all that into here because I want to focus on music. But there is one song in particular I want to point out in a minute. <laughs> but, um, but I think that factors into that. And that may have hurt me when I'm listening to some of these some of the songs on this album that may be why it was disappointing to me but i don't really have much other to say about it i will go through like the songs that i thought actually were particularly good the title track let me touch your mind her voice is amazing the the choir in the background is good it has that 70s soul sound so if you're a fan of 70s soul you're gonna like this and it's just a good track i can see why everyone why it was the single and the opening track really really good song Annie had a baby I like that song uh, there's a really fun a nice funky interplay between the vocals uh, it's like a nice swing sound I don't think I actually uh, now that I'm sitting here talking about it I didn't go over the um, personnel I will run through them real fast there's not uh, it's not like a huge personnel actually you know what I don't have a personnel listing so that's why I didn't put anything on my notes. But, I mean, obviously you have Tina Turner on vocals. A lot of times you'll have a backing choir. Um, Ike is playing guitar, and he does production. And then I do have Andre Williams as another producer. But I don't know who Andre is, honestly. No offense. Sorry, Andre. <laughs> Mr. Williams. But um, I didn't find a whole lot of information about this. But I think it's heavily is is 
Ike's probably pretty controlling over all this. But the only other song that it really stood out for me was Don't Believe Her. The vocals, once again. <laughs> There's a nice wah on the guitar. And I really like the saxophone in that. So I thought I thought it added a nice little little, little bit of extra, a little something else. Really, there's only one song that I thought was bad. I don't want to say bad, but I didn't like it. It's muddy. It's the song Popcorn. Um, way too overproduced. It sounds just, just muddy. Like the production is just like she. Her vocals are fighting against the dishwashing sound, <laughs> the washing machine sound of the. Uh, of the guitar and stuff, the the effect, the vocal, the the guitar effects that he's using. Uh, if I can get it out, it it just it just uh, was not pleasant for me to listen to. Now, one other song. I don't want to say it's bad. It's not bad, but I don't think this is Tina's words necessarily. I don't think this is really her pers- perspective. The song "Help Him." Supposedly written by Tina Turner, maybe, but I think <laughs> I think she may have been influenced. It's it's one of those songs. The impression that I get was, you know, don't don't cause your man any undue stress. Don't be acting up. Don't be talking back. Kind of like that. That's just the vibe I got from it. Maybe I read it wrong. That's just what I got from it, and I didn't really like it that much. It's just not something I care about. And knowing some of the backstory behind the two of them, maybe maybe I'm reading too much into it. But I just didn't. I didn't really like it. So, but I mean, I didn't. I don't really have anything else to say to, about it. it. Vocally, this album is not weak. But everything else for me was just kind of meh. But I'm not gonna give my score. I'm just gonna uh, step aside and see what you thought about it, and then then I'll let you know. But you know, what did you think about it? I didn't have high expectations for the album. You know, I do. I love Tina Turner. She is absolutely incredible. My thoughts on Ike Turner, I think you can guess. (laughs) Um, But he is good as a musician. We'll say that. But this album was kind of under the radar. So I tempered my expectations. We'll just put it that way. I didn't really expect a whole lot. But that voice, oh, God, that voice is so good. Like, that title track, it's the first song on the album, and just right off, she is just wailing on that song. Like, Janis Joplin, crybaby-style wailing. Her voice is excellent on that song. The music itself on that song was a little bit underwhelming, but I think that's actually kind of a good thing. It highlighted her vocals. There wasn't a whole lot in the way of music. It was really just understated, but it allowed her vocals to really shine, so I think that that was a good thing. Ike didn't have as strong a presence on the album, at least not really visible, but audible presence on the album as maybe some of the other stuff that they have done in the past. Like, you know, you can hear him singing and some of the other stuff, like Proud Mary. You know, he has a more prominent presence 
he is playing music on this one, but it just didn't feel like as much of an Ike Turner album. You know, he's there, obviously, in the background, controlling it, like you said, but it sounds more like a Tina Turner album to me, just audibly. The other songs, aside from the title track, were a little jazzy, a little funky, you know, of course, soulful, just kind of that 70s Tina and Ike Turner style. They're not extra special in terms of their discography. They're pretty good in general. None of them really stood out for me except for the title track. Several of them were covers, but none of them were bad except... Like you mentioned, the song Help Him, that stood out to Luke and I as well. And we did discuss that. She did supposedly write that song, and we debated on whether maybe that was her trying to convince herself. Maybe she did write it, but she's just trying to explain to herself why she's staying or what she needs to do. I don't know. I'm not in that situation. I've never been in that situation. Don't ever want to be. We do know now, looking back on it, that she was being abused. Um, and he you know, was later diagnosed with bipolar syndrome. So I'm not giving him a pass, but that had an effect. But she didn't leave him for another th- three years until after this album was released, so she was trying to stay, trying to find reasons to stay, so maybe that had an effect. And like you said, maybe I misread the song a little bit. It was a little harder to hear and understand her words on that one as well for me, and maybe some of the production stuff. I really wanted to read the lyrics to make sure that I was getting everything clearly, but you can't find the lyrics written down to that one. You know, they're just, they're nowhere to be found. So I don't want to say it's a bad song, but it did give me pause. And just like you, I, I wondered about that one. I feel like there's some background on that one that needs to be taken into account. Uh, I debated for a while about my rating on this. They're not Ike and Tina's best songs. None of them are really standouts. They're not something I would choose over. You know, obviously, Proud Mary. Their cover of Proud Mary is just... <laughs> there are no words. It's great. You know, It's not as good as Tina's later solo hits. I love her stuff from the 80s. But I did enjoy listening to this album as a whole. Most of the music was pretty good, even though it was kind of standard. The vocals, definitely the high point of the album. Her vocals are always incredible. And even though it wasn't her best work, I was still awed by her voice, especially on Let Me Touch Your Mind. That one, her voice just really blew the lid off. So, I didn't want to give too high a score, because I don't think it deserves a super high score. None of the songs are particularly excellent. But, I didn't want the album to get a bad score either. The vocals are great. The music's not bad. So I decided to give this one a three and a half based mostly on the strength of Tina Turner's vocals. I do recommend it if you like her voice and 
why wouldn't you, honestly? So, you know, check it out, but just don't expect any huge hits off of this. What did you give it? Well, those who have listened for a while know I am all about production. And a lot of times I'll give an album a half a point production bump. But a lot of times I'll give it a, I'll take away a half point. I'll just subtract it because the production's not great. This album lost a half a point. Like, I think the production's muddy. It's not great. I don't, I mean, like I said, Ike was in charge of production. This is like one of the weaker albums that I've heard from them. Uh, like everything you can't hardly hear her vocals uh like they're, they're trying to go for the funky sound with the, that wah and that uh like i said the, the washing machine <laughs> back and forth just it's just really busy at times and which is funny for me to say that and you didn't point it out some but it's really busy it and is it it's it's like she's trying to compete with everything else she's singing in over everything in spite of it against it and i don't like how that that comes across sometimes it's hard to produce as well but uh, it wasn't great to me. It didn't sound like nothing stood out. It was kind of meh. And like I say, the production, just eh. And none of the tracks other than that that first track, you know, that I thought was particularly good. Um, you don't get the half star from me, so you only get two and a half stars. So I was rough on it this week. But it just was really disappointing. When I see the name Tina Turner... I expect something more, but I know we have more coming, so that's why. She's going to break free from Ike and explode. I mean, she's going to be there, so I'm not worried about Tina Turner having a two-and-a-half-star album, but she did this time, but mostly because of Ike. I blame him. (laughs) And I do think that's fair, because while I really emphasized her vocals on this, it was a little hard to hear her. I could hear the sound of her voice, but it was hard to make out what she was saying a lot of times. So I definitely do get what you're saying. Yeah, but uh, I mean, it's it was a pretty good week this week for music. I think uh, I don't know. I think last week overall might have been better, but that Sparks album for me was excellent. So anyone anyone out there listening, check that out. Of anything, I mean, the pot liquor stuff is just hard to get. Try to get what you can of that. I enjoyed that as well. Yeah. But yeah, that Sparks album will stick in your brain and you're probably going to hate me later about it. But just just give it a listen. Just check them out. But uh, that is the last album that we had this week. Pretty good week. Not the greatest, not the worst. So hey, we're still batting, you know, probably three, four hundred so far. But uh, next week, I think we're going to have at least one really good album. Maybe two. I don't know. But I think two. But that's uh, spoiling it a little bit. I'm going to go ahead, though, and run through next week's albums. Next week will be week four. That's January the 22nd through the 28th. And we have the first, uh, we have from January 23rd, Rick Wakeman, The Six Wives of Henry VIII. Uh, Rick Wakeman from Yes, if I'm not mistaken. So I didn't know he had the solo albums. So I'm anxious to hear. That's probably going to be mostly keyboard, maybe some classical. I mean, the Six Wives of Henry VIII makes me think he maybe does some classical. I don't know. So I'm, I'm anxious to hear about that. We'll also be talking about January 25th release, Little Feet, Dixie Chicken. I already am familiar with Little Feet. Um, Dixie Chicken, I might have heard that song. It sounds really familiar, but I think I'm familiar with maybe a couple of their other songs as well. They sound, um, I think they're Southern Rock or 
It's something like that. So yeah, I, th I think they're pretty. They're a pretty exciting band to listen to. That's going to be fun. And then we also have January 26, nineteen seventy three. A little known artist. I'm so excited. From the UK. <laughs> we have Elton John. Don't shoot me. I'm only the piano player. Oh yeah. I already know. I've already listened to a couple of the songs off this. I know for sure. So anything Elton puts out is going to be at least three stars. So we know we're at least looking for that. It's going to be better, but I'm just setting the bar right oh, now. Oh, I'm just going to tell you, it's a, a great album. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's going to be that's going to be really exciting. Your individual album is something I'm going to check out as well because I'm not familiar with this artist. You have what McCoy Tyner extensions you i went and looked yeah oh huh? yeah i do yeah, yeah. I, w <laughs> I went and looked at mccoy tyner because to me it sounds like country it's not so <laughs> if i'm not mistaken it's jazz i don't know though <laughs> i have jazz i did go ahead and peek behind the curtain on this one because i wanted to see who this was the um Neither one of these, or we don't have days. It was January of 73. But anyway, I have Return to Forever, Light as a Feather, and that's Chick Korea, And that's going to be, you know, relaxing. I'm probably going to have to put that one on and just do something else. Because that's going to be one of those albums. So my run of four and a half star albums might be over, but we'll see. This might be the jazz album, because I like jazz. Chick Corea is really this good. This might be the jazz album. <laughs> Yeah, so this might be the jazz album that gets it. But we'll see. But other than that, hopefully next week when we're on here, we won't have to talk about any celebrity deaths. So we're crossing, I'm crossing my fingers on that. But uh, hopefully everyone else has a nice, happy, safe week. And do you have anything else to add, Amy? No, I don't think so. I think you've said it all. Yeah, I usually say way too much. <laughs> but... <laughs> But I do. I hope everyone has a nice, healthy, happy, safe week. I mean, be careful. Listen to all this great music. And if you haven't, you can follow us on Instagram. We haven't posted a whole lot. Um, but, I mean, I may try to mess around with it a little bit. I might try to put another poll on here. I haven't heard a whole lot. If anyone wants to give some input on whether we should keep the show like we are doing it right now. Or we should go back to the old way of recording our solo segments and then putting them in the show. You know, either way. But I think this makes the show flow better and everything sounds the same. A, lot of, a couple of times there were problems with audio, but that's nerdy, you know, behind the scenes stuff. But, uh, but like I said before, next week's going to be pretty exciting because we do have some good albums. So if you want to listen to Head before we do, you know, maybe you can put out the podcast first and let us know. <laughs> maybe we can. Maybe maybe if there's anything we should skip. But <laughs> but I do. I hope everyone has a nice week. Uh, listen to all this good music because it's not going to stop. And right now, neither are we. So take care, everybody. <laughs>